okay. listening to Tingle Classic Movies. And his name is Mike Tingle. He's five foot four, 180 pounds. Said in Philadelphia, but may have lied. If I think of anything else, I'll let you know. Oh, and Senator, love this suit. <laughs> One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. But get your bad rags on, join me home. We'll have some fun when the clock strikes one. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. We're gonna rock, rock. Mike, I'm very excited we're doing this segment tonight. This is the movies that are like, they created such a buzz or had such a hype surrounding it that you either walked away super you know, disappointed or it exceeded your expectations kind of thing. Is that my, am I right on this? Yeah. Maybe you, um, maybe you're just flipping through channels, you know, late at night or whatever. And you, you know, you spy, Oh, Hey, look at that. I've heard about this film. I'm going to check it out. Um, and, uh, or, you know, somebody told you, 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 you've been seeing commercials for the latest, whatever movie, and you finally get to go out and see it. And, you either loved it so much that you wouldn't shut up about it for two weeks or you hated some, it so much that you wouldn't shut up about it for two weeks. <laughs> I'm really excited about this because um, you being the cinephile and the, the, the movie expert, uh, you're, you're pretty well balanced as far as like, you know, good movie, you know, good movies, you go to good cinema, you know, like what works, what doesn't. So I'm very curious about your list. It holds a lot more weight than I would, I think. Yeah. And, and you know, these, these lists, um, they're kind of what I, you know, what I dig about film, man. You know, you get that piece of art and it just it makes, you know, it doesn't have to make a good impact on you, you know, but it impacts you so much that you, it just dominates your thoughts, you know. And some of these films, you know, have, a lot of these films that we talk about, you know, have that um, power. They have this magnitude like, okay, for example, the movie Closer, 2004. I don't know if you remember that. Jude Law, uh, Natalie Portman. It was like a kind of a romance drama kind of movie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Let me stop you right there. I love Closer. Okay. Is it a, is it a good movie? I See, I walked out of it back yeah. in the day because I hated it. But I was also 23 years old, 23, 24, right. with a buddy. So I was kind of already like jaded in the sense that like, I don't know what triggered it. Maybe like we just didn't want to watch a movie. But I remember like we were like, this kind of sucks. Let's go. And to this yeah. day, I, I always look back at that like, should I rewatch it? Was I was it just because I was like a young, dumb kid that didn't know any better? Like what what's the deal? So like that for you, that's like a great movie then. Yeah. I, I will say, um, I think it's filled with uh, some really great performances, especially Clive Owen. He's awesome in that film. Um, and uh, the subject matter probably does not hit you as a young, you know, free-spirited 23-year-old. If you watch it later, um, and I think I enjoyed it when I was younger, uh, you know, because of the performances, but it wasn't because it's so effed up it's not a movie you really go back to at all you know um, revisit it right it, it doesn't have because there's not the characters aren't very likable um but when you if you've gone through some 
you know, rocky relationships or have seen people go through them. Uh, and then you, you watch it, it kind of like clicks a little better. Um, and, you know, it was directed by Mike Nichols. He of uh, the graduate fame. Um, and uh, I, I just always enjoyed it. It's a good movie. See, I was going through like, kind of a rocky relationship that time in my life, 2003, 2004. So maybe something triggered me and I was like, this sucks. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember anything about it. I, I, can't, I couldn't pinpoint it, you know, and say like, oh, well, this it just the, the story was long or something. I mean, I think I gave it like a good 25 minutes. And as a dumb kid, I left. But in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I walked out in it. That must, must have sucked. But I couldn't tell you anything yeah. about it. So it's like one of those things. I don't know if it had so much of a hype about, but I felt like I was unfair in my like disposition towards it. I was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're leaving. I, th- I think I probably like got drunk with Cooney that night or something like that. It was like right yeah. around that time. So who knows? It's not like, a movie through. I would go to with a, a buddy or two, you know, it's, it's yeah, not, kind of a weird choice. Right. It's not like we're going to see, you know, the latest transformers film or whatever might have been popular. You know, when I was going to the movies with my buddies, um, but it, it that's a good movie in that in the realm that I was talking to before. You're just kind of flopping around the TV, laying on your couch. It's you know twelve thirty at night, and it's like, oh look, closer is going to be on in two minutes. I might, let's see, let's see if it's any better. One of those deals. All right, I'm going to give it a shot then. I never, I haven't really thought about it until now. But if you uh, if you praise it, you know it has to be good. I trust you. Yeah, good. I trust What's you. A- Thank you. Well, that's a bad idea for most things, but thank you. I'll take it. So what's like, give me an example. What's a movie that you saw that had like such a buzz around it kind of thing? And how did you like walk away from it? I'm going to start off with one that is on my bad list, but I haven't written it down. Um, so I want to get it out because I hate it so much. I don't want to forget it. Um, <laughs> um, this is an older film. Um, I had obviously heard the hype about it um, because of you know who directed it and who's in it and um, the fact that it beat out Star Wars, I believe, for best picture that year. And it is the like 125, I'm saying that wrong. It's like an hour and 25 minute direct that is Annie Hall. Oh, yeah. Annie Hall. I I don't get it. No, I gave it a shot. It even has Christopher Walken in it, who I love. Um, obviously, you know Woody Allen's problematic nowadays. Anyway, yeah. And, and I just I don't I didn't find it funny, and I don't get, like. All right, if a film's going to be a comedy, and it's not really going to have. The kind of dynamic performances. I mean, Diane Keat won an Oscar. That's fine. She was good in the film. Um, I mean, but it's not like there's a Marlon Brando, Vito Corleone, or or uh, Robert De Niro in like Deer Hunter or Raging Bull. You know, there's nothing that really stands out. You're watching Woody Allen basically for an hour and a half make a jackass of himself. Um, right. Yeah, it's unmemorable. Visuals. Right. They throw a couple of visuals around that maybe in 1977 you you know were okay with. Otherwise, now 
it's just kind of it doesn't hold up and it wasn't funny to begin with and comedies that aren't funny don't stick with me right. i'm with you i feel like comedies sour the quickest you know yeah where like this is just painful to watch and i do agree with you 100 percent on annie hall and i've always wondered why that was such like a revered movie because i feel like annie hall is one of those movies that people just say they like it because woody allen's in it and it's considered one of his best works uh and he directed it and all that and then i feel like a lot of people just want to say they like annie hall to add some oh, kind of depth I, to him. Yes. i don't know why but it's like Oh yeah, Annie Hall. It's a great movie. It's like, have you watched it? I mean, are you, I don't know anyone that's rewatching this movie like ever. It's not right. a good movie. It's not a good film, in my opinion. I agree with you. I think that's to this day. I, I, I'm still wondering why people mention this, you know. And Woody Allen has taken a hit the last few years for all of like the shitty yeah. stuff. So I don't, I don't know what why people are still holding on to that. It's just I don't know. I don't, I don't uh, see it. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean. Look, I mean, I, who is Roman Polanski? I mean, I can watch Chinatown because Chinatown is awesome. And I can also oh, yeah. kind of, you know, put his personal movie. life aside, you know, and, and still enjoy the film. Um, that said, you know, I wouldn't want to promote anything he does. Just like, you know, Woody Allen, like, had Annie Hall not sucked in my mind, I'd give it its props. Sure. But it would make him no less, no more or less of a creep. Um, but just on pure watchability, I, I can't stand it. Yeah. No, I'm with you 100%. Um, that's a good one. That's a good entry into the, to the list here. Like, I, I think you nailed it with that one. Right. And it's oddly enough going to segue pretty well to a good one um, of many years ago, a friend of my, my friends were hanging around quoting this film and I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Um, and they told me, I was like, no way, because this is a film that I, you know, I kind of poo pooed just because it didn't, seem serious to me it seemed kind of hokey um and that is the film i will i will say the original film because the if you watch the uh russell brand remake don't oh i know you're talking about the dudley moore classic arthur yes great movie it is a fantastic film that 40 years later is as funny as the first time you've seen it it's perfect. It has the right amount of slapstick humor, British humor, like just regular humor. It, I think that appeals to like everybody. That's a great flick. Right. And then, you know, there's a bunch of heart. Yeah. You know, it's, it's Liza well Minnelli's black. great in it. Yeah. You got Liza Minnelli and the, the great John um, Gilgold. I, I can never pronounce his name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sir John Gilgold. Uh, and uh, obviously Dudley Moore. Um, <laughs> you know, so many one-liners in that film. I, uh, I love it. It's a classic. It, that is a that's a good movie too. Like I'll revisit that here and there, and it's always like refreshing. You're like, oh, I remember this part. I remember this. You know, and you're just. I remember like always thinking when I first saw it, like, 
why wouldn't he do this? Or why would he do that? I'm like, no, it makes perfect sense. He's like this drunken free spirit that can do whatever he wants. Like, wouldn't you do the same? You know, like, it's right. Just, yeah. Like it, it, it appeals to like all of your like inhibitions. If you could do that stuff and you're like, no, no, it makes perfect sense. Um, I would even say Arthur's an underrated movie. I feel like that should get more props. You know, that's, oh. I mean, that is a classic. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's underrated. Um, Steve Gordon's the only, yeah. the director is, that was his only movie. He died, like, I think right after that was made. No way. Yeah. Um, I, let me, don't quote me on that. Let me, let me look it up real quick. But I, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, directed by Steve Gordon. It was his. It was the sole film directed by him because he he died in 1982 at a heart attack. So, like, okay. what a legacy, you know? Yeah. Oh man. So I guess he didn't stick around for Arthur Two on the Rocks, which <laughs> which is still pretty funny, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same. It's 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 still like. An, a good in the same vein as far as like it's a fun ride but yeah right. definitely stay away from the russell brand one when i watch that i'm just like yeah i remember the wife and i i think we saw that like theatrically or something i don't remember but we were like uh why would you touch arthur and if you did like why would you make this like it was such an embarrassment to the original i know <laughs> i know and and i don't want to downplay Russell Brand because I I think he has some talent and um, I just think he got kind of Russell. That was around when he got a little too Russell Brandy. Yeah, um, definitely. But I mean like Dudley Moore was like a classical like Dudley Moore was a great talent. You know, he had, he had a, a long-standing film career. Like back in the 60s he was like a constant for pianist he, he like was on talk shows with the beatles and stuff in england i mean like and then you, you know to see you know him be so legendary in that film and then for russell brand to basically i guess he basically did the russell brand impersonation of dudley moore <laughs> um, yeah that's probably what it was it, it just it was tough to watch it's tough yeah, and poor Dudley Moore, man. That, that was a guy, super talented, had some demons. Like, he never found love, you know? He just, I didn't even think he was married like four or five times or something to different people. And he just, you know, he just wanted to find love and he never did. And, right. uh, yeah, what a, what a, uh, what a, what a spirit, you know? What a performer, that guy. Yeah, uh, Arthur's a great flick. I mean, that's so rewatchable. It's like yeah, the Seinfeld yeah. of comedies. Once it's on, you just leave it on. You know, like it's gonna right. Just, just plug it in and tune it out. Sure. Uh, now I'm on board so, with that. I'm gonna go back to the bad for the next one, but um, it's a movie I like. I want to say that I like. It's just okay. Um. Man, the way people talk about it, um, like it's the best movie of its category. And I mean, I just don't see it. And there's too many things 
as a baseball fan that bother me about this film, and it's Bull Durham. Never saw it. You never saw Bull Durham? No. I was actually going to suggest to you we should do a baseball show, but I was like, I've never seen Bull Durham. I guess I should like watch it. Uh, I guess yeah, the stars never right. aligned. I've never watched it. But now I'm not going to because you don't because you think yeah. it's bad. <laughs> now here's the thing though. Here's the thing. I, I watch it every year. It's in my rotation of baseball films, which being a baseball junkie I have. Um, I would love to do a baseball show. I, I, um, as I have a pretty wide category of films that I like and dislike. Um, but all right, so we won't spend too much time talking about Bull Dorm because one, I like it. Um, I just find it a little overhyped. And two, you haven't seen it. I don't want to give too much away because I think you should see it. Um, but I will say that the things that I don't like about it don't seem to bother other people. For example, um, Tim Robbins' characters, you know, like the hotshot young arm. Um, and <laughs> like, um, he let's see at the end of the film. Um, I'm not giving away too much here, but at the end of the film, they like call him up. Um, and it bugs me because of how he's the kid's got to be 20 to 22 years old, he's in like single A ball. <laughs> And he gets brought up to, to the big league squad as like a September call-up, which they would never do with an arm as prized as his was, supposedly. But here they are just wasting one of his options. To, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it wouldn't be done in a, in a typical, like a real-life baseball situation. You wouldn't do that. Right. There's other things like that that happen in the film. Um, you That's funny. see it. But, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. If you, I feel like I need to to complete. I think that's like the only big baseball movie I haven't seen. I, I think I've even right. seen like Mr. Three Thousand or whatever that is, and Mr. Baseball. Like the, I've seen the bad ones. So like, I should watch Bull Durham. I just, I never like. I don't know. It was never like playing when I was around or something. I, I never like sought it out. So no excuses, I, but I, I should right. definitely check it out. I haven't seen Mr. 3000 in a while, but I love Mr. Baseball, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Tom Selleck in the yeah. Japanese it's, League. It's fun. It's, it is fun. There's, I enjoy baseball movies a lot. I mean, I really do. Like, I love baseball. You know, as you are, I'm sure I'm a big Phillies fan. And growing up, baseball was like a right? big thing. Um, all right. So we'll move off Bull Dorm. We'll go back to the good. Um, and these are two, uh, I'm going to kind of do these together because I watched them close together and drove my wife nuts talking about them for like three uh -oh. weeks. She did wind up watching the one and really enjoyed it. Um, so I will start off with one that you may or may not have heard of. It's called the kid detectives. Detectives. It's the kid detectives, the kid detectives. It stars um, the OC's Adam Brody. And basically, he was like a junior sleuth growing up. And like he became like a 
the town celebrity. Um, and, uh, yeah, he would go around solving like ridiculous crimes, right? Like who stole Penny's lunch money kind of shit. Um, and now he's 30 and he's still doing it. Um, and he's still doing like the trivial crap. Um, that sounds awesome. Until some girl walks, right? Until some girl walks into his office asking her to solve the murder of her boyfriend. Um, and which, of course, he takes. And um, his parents kind of, his parents, he doesn't live with his parents, but he's still close with them, I think. Um, and they kind of are at the point where they want him to kind of get over the child detective thing. Um, but he decides to take the case and there's surprisingly a lot of nice turns in it. Um, a lot of things that I, like I, when I rewatched it with my wife and there was a lot of things that I noticed, um, that I wouldn't have noticed the first time around. Um, and I didn't know what to think of it. Um, because obviously I, I not seen it in the theaters or anything. I just kind of saw it scrolling through like Showtime or, or stars or whatever. Um, and it, it just kind of caught my eye. I thought, I'll, I'll watch it one day. And man, I was so like blown away by it. I'm not even like an Adam Brody fan, but he was pretty like really good in it. And the end is really dark. And there's some times in the film that get pretty, pretty dark for what you think you're getting at first is, this, you know, here's this kid who can't kind of get over himself. And, uh, you find out a lot about him as the movie goes along. And I don't know, I could probably talk about it for a while, but I was really blown away. I loved it. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It looks pretty cool. Um, that's a good dark pick there. I haven't, uh, I, I haven't even heard of that one. I want to, I want to check that out. This is 2020. This came out the kid detective. Right. There's not many people you would probably know. You might recognize some faces, but he's the only real like name. Um, but uh, it's just a really good film. Um, the Kid Detective. I'll, I'll give it a watch, man. I respect your uh, your choices. You're you're a great film guy, so it should be pretty good. The second one you probably have heard of, um, and I'll say this is. This is one I was interested in because of um, the subject matter and to see how it would go. Um, I found it to be a pretty important film and one that I probably won't rush to rewatch because of how disturbing it could be. Um, and it was the Carrie Mulligan film, Promising Young Woman. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Did you happen to see it? This was like this came out like last year, right? Yeah, it was only a year or two old. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. It was like a comedy, right? Oh, it's funny at times. But it's, oh no, okay. I don't. Maybe I haven't. I don't think yeah, I, I probably would remember it. Basically, something happens to her that sets her off, um, and she goes around like she goes to bars and stuff and tries to trap guys into bad situations by playing drunk. Um, and 
sometimes it goes according to plan, sometimes not so much. And it's another one like the detective film where as the film goes along, you kind of see what she's all about. You kind of, as you dive into her backstory, realize why she's doing it. And um, there's parts of it, especially as a, a father of two daughters, there's parts of it that scare the shit out of you. And to see how a lot of the people around her just kind of push what she's saying and um, the, the events that led her to be doing what she was doing, um, they kind of get, you know, tossed aside and it drives her insane. Um, That's pretty it, interesting. Really gripping at times. Um, so... And again, it's it's not a movie you're probably going to go back to, but it's a movie most people should see, um, if only to see just how awful we are to each other. <laughs> yeah, it kind of puts it into perspective, a right? Bit. Like you know, people you know people crying out for help. You know, we should listen to them. And yeah. <laughs> um, that's a deep cut right there. I like your style. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. But, uh, I mean, it's probably not as deep as uh, the movie Ed with uh, Matt LeBlanc, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's probably up no. there. I'm sure. <laughs> no, that's that's cool. What's it called? Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman. 2020. All right, cool. I like it. I'm intrigued by these by these uh, these picks of yours. Well, thank you. You're uh, yeah, you know, you know your shit. That's why I kind of. I kind of saw this as an opportunity to kind of throw some, you know, some fun suggestions out there. Even like the bad ones, you should see these movies. Um, of course, maybe you don't see this one. I have one under the bad one. Um, oh, <laughs> um, the Robin Williams dud. What dreams may come. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a tough. That's a tough sell. I uh, I wrote this, I remember on paper. I, it had promise. But yeah, right. Execution wise, yikes! And unfortunately, that is all it is when you when you see it. It's just a bunch of special effects that, that go nowhere. That's it. Uh, and a, a thin story that makes no sense. It's like here, um, there's colors that you've never seen before, and you're like, I get uh, it. It's like a glowy filter, yeah. but you're like, I, it makes you want to watch something else with Robin Williams. Is what I got. I was like, I kind of want to watch like something different now that he's in, just to, like. Get this taste out of my mouth. Yeah, get the get the taste out of your mouth. Like, you know, can we put on like Good Morning Vietnam or something? <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> we put on Patch Adams, please, instead of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell, I'll take something uplifting like Awakenings. Awakenings. <laughs> Dead Poet Society. Yeah. That's the thing too. I I like well. I'm a big Rob Williams fan. Most of us are, but I could do without most of the. I don't want to say wimpy Rob Williams roles. Yeah, but there's some roles where he just kind of like, you know, mopes through it. Right. Kind of like imagine like the end, how he is like the beginning and end of Mrs. Doubtfire, where he's just kind of like this wash of a being who 
can't see his kids and can't hold a job. And, you know, he just walks, like he walks around the heavens and what dreams may come. He's just like whiny Robin Williams. And it's like, man, I need the genie right now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what you want to yeah. see. I remember when we watched that too. Um, you just, I mean, maybe that's like a blessing and a curse with someone typecast or somebody as brilliant as, as Robin Williams is, you know what he's capable of. So when you're watching this, you're like, ah, oh, you're expecting more, you know, and I'm not just talking about like, hey, it doesn't have to be like, you know, crazy doing like impressions of, you know, a thousand miles a minute all over the place. But it's like, I, you know, he could do so much more as opposed to just like moping around heaven and, and you know, things like that. It's, it's just it's sad, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it just didn't. Yeah. And I felt like they could have done so much more with that script and they could have gotten more from him. You know, I don't know whose choice it was. I mean, it's ultimately the director, but who knows? But I just felt like that could have been so much better. And it's just such a, just not a good movie. Totally agree. I remember <laughs> I, when it came out, I was going to uh, Bucks and I was writing for their paper. I did a, uh, I wrote for the Bucks paper too. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's a story for another time. I got kicked out after like yeah. <laughs> two weeks for yellow journalism. I was like making up articles. Right. <laughs> I, uh, well, I reviewed that for, for the, the paper. And, uh, man, I, I lambasted it. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, you know, I remember uh, Mr. O'Neill or whatever he is. <laughs> He it's just kind of like, like don't, you, don't you want anyone to like watch this film? I'm like, no, that's hilarious. I, I remember Mr. Neil. He was like a younger guy, like middle age kind of. Yeah, he was kind of like you know in his early fifties, I think. He was from like Wisconsin um, or something. Kind of right? like ran everything. Yeah, wasn't he from like Wisconsin or Minnesota or something? Nah, you're right. He was. He was from like the middle Midwest or whatever. Yeah, he would talk about like you don't know what cold is, and uh, I was in his class, and I did it because I I majored in journalism and you know broadcasting, and that's what right. I wanted to do. And but at like eighteen, nineteen years old, you know, I wasn't like the most serious guy, and uh, I you know I did some good stories and stuff, but I got kind of bored, and I would you know like make up i would like interview friends and just make up titles like oh mike says that uh i did an article that was the best halloween movies and i did somebody said you know they attack the giant killer tomatoes because they've always dreamed of having a tomato <laughs> big enough to eat me and you know somebody and uh, the thing that got me was i put mike a yoga major uh said this and he was like there's no yoga major at the school and i'm like <laughs> oh yeah that's that's what they told me though they're like there's inconsistencies in the story. And I'm just like, y'all are journalism. And uh, <laughs> he was giving like this lecture to everyone. And, uh, you know, it was back in the days where there's like a million computers and they were all hooked up to like two printers. Yeah, right. Um, so when he wasn't looking, I, I typed the word poop and printed out without <laughs> him like looking at the screen. So during his big like lambasting speech, this piece of paper comes out and the whole class paused or the whole like newsroom. And he walks over. He's like, what could possibly be printing now? And he reads it. And his face just gets beat red. And he goes, poop, hoorah. 
Uh, and I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> he was, he was probably a great guy, but I think I just pushed his buttons as like an immature kid, but uh, right. it was hilarious, but that's funny that you wrote for them. It was called like the bucks centurion or something the like centurion, that. Centurion, Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I could have done so much with that. You know, I could have I, been like, I could have done that all two years or whatever. And then like intern for like the Philadelphia Inquirer. Like if I really wanted to be like a reporter, that was like a good landing pad. I just, or launch pad. I just, I don't know, man, I fucked that up, but it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny too. Um, that was kind of what I wanted to do. And I allowed myself to be talked out of it. Um, I don't remember why it just, Wound up switching majors to something I didn't finish. I switched another major to something I didn't finish. You wanted to be like a reporter originally? Yeah, I wanted to be like a writer. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, I still can. I just haven't. (laughs) So, hey, you still can do that. I always thought that would be a a good job. I, I, I could not, I shouldn't say I always wanted to be. I'm still trying to do the writing thing, but I always thought it would be a good gig to be a reporter even a local one or weatherman or something i mean you're on tv every night you make a good living um for the most part it's just a lot of moving around but it's really the same format unless you're doing like investigative journalism where that's like i think people really can shine it really doesn't take much to you know get in front of the camera every night and be like we're here on third avenue where a young man came here i mean you're really just reading the report um right. so i feel like that's that was always like a that would always be like a great gig you know you're kind of like a local celebrity i would right. i would read i would read your articles mike i think i think you'd be a great you know writer for the news likewise thank you <laughs> anyway yeah i think uh you know, they will be <laughs> judging by your experience the bucks they'd be full of poop <laughs> it'd be it would be very bad so, speaking of full of poop, why, why don't we switch back to the bad and piss off some people for a while? Because Let's do it. I have three films here that um, you may not agree with me on. Um, Let's ruffle the feathers. But you may. A lot of people loved this first. I got one and then um, two kind of action movies, um, so to speak. Um, but the one is not an action film. It is a another kind of whiny teenager type of film. Um, and that's Juno. Oh, yeah, Juno. It leaves a bad taste yeah. after a few years. Yeah, like, it just bothered me. I know I wasn't the only one. I've talked to other people. It bothered me that there was no consequence in her giving up this child. Um oh nothing and she felt nothing i mean she was just and maybe the whole point of it was that she was a whiny little brat that probably shouldn't be a mother but that's not really how it goes i mean to to imagine that she carries this kid and then just gives her away um and feels nothing she has a one scene in the car where she like quasi cries and then um otherwise and, and she wasn't and again she wasn't likable I, I feel like a lot of people that watch this film like juno i couldn't stand her i thought she was a brat 
Yeah, she was a whiny little brat. And when they show like the Jennifer Garner character, that's like the one that should be a mother that's really trying and, and all this stuff. And then in, in, and they probably did that on purpose. And then in, it pales in comparison to her, who's just like, well, I don't know. I want to go like Michael Sarah, you know, <laughs> give me a pep talk and I don't care. And I'm, I'm edgy and I just, I couldn't right. be bothered. And you're just like, oh, shut the fuck up, you know, like it, it, it also too, I feel like it would have been a better movie uh, if she kept the kid and like it changed her and it showed like the struggle of that. And, you know, but there really was no like moral to the story. There was no like learning lesson or life lesson. Yeah, there, there was nothing. There was just a couple of good performances. You know, I'll, I'll give, she, you know, she was fine in the role. Ellen, Elliot Page, Elliot Page. Yeah. Um, yeah. Elliot Page. She, yeah. He was, she, she was good. It, it just, it, you know, Jennifer Gardner and just Jason Bateman were, were good. And, J.K. Simmons was fine, right? Um, On paper, but, it's a good cast. It, yeah, and you have the cast, you, you want something better out of it. And uh, I just I just thought it was trite. And yeah. Not, the, the, not my cup of tea. No, I, I'm with you too. I always thought it was overrated. I only watched it like the one time and may, maybe like twice, maybe. But you didn't care for any of the right. characters. You know, I didn't walk away like caring for any of them. Um, and Michael Sarah, like I know he gets a bad rap and stuff, but like that was like him being the most Michael Sarah ever. Like, uh, like I'm awkward, <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm just so awkward and I'm, I'm so complex though. Cause, cause like I'm awkward and like I, I always talk like in a whisper that's going a little bit on the high side. And, and I don't know. I just, I wasn't. I wasn't digging it. I wasn't digging it either. Yeah, it's funny. You know, that's why movies like Superbad and Scott Pilgrim are like blessings and curses. <laughs> right. Because Michael Sarah is always going to be Michael Sarah. I guess you'll forgive him for the roles where it works, but any other yeah. time, it's like when, the, when those when guys get to be like them. Just roll into acting like them, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Only guys like Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire and D. Martin used to get away with that shit. It's just like, a slow mover. Mind watching D. Martin in the film because yeah, <laughs> she's in there with the champ. She's in there with the champ. <laughs> but that, but those guys, I love watching. I want them to be the like when I watch D. Martin movies or old Sinatra movies. With the exception of a few that he really like stands out as something different, uh, right? They're exactly what you want to see. I want to see Frank Sinatra being Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby doing Bing. You know, like the quick, witty remarks, like always smooth, always smoking. Like there's always a drink nearby. Everything's like buttoned up at the end, like no problem. You know, like I like seeing those guys like that. It's like right. a little bit different. Ah. Uh. Because when Sinatra did movies like The Man with the Golden Arm and things like that, like these breakout roles that were like he really like put the his acting chops, you know, to the test. Um, it's kind of like an extra treat for you because you're like, wow, he's really like going the mile. Where the other movies, as enjoyable as they are, in right. my mind, I'm like, oh, that's just Frank being Frank. Like that's you know, I'm sure Dean Martin just walks into a casino and acts that way anyway. But like it works because that's what you want to see. 
Yeah, good pull there, too, by the way, with the man with golden arm. Great film. That is a um, great film. And, I think uh, that and Suddenly yeah, are my two it, favorites. Oh, yeah, nice. When you watch those type of movies, um, yeah, you're not getting the Frank that you might want or expect from like Young and Hard or Pal Joey or whatever. Um, right, right. It still worked. And the fact that it worked um, showed just how strong of a performer he was on stage. Oh, yeah. And the guy that was anchors away wasn't the same guy that was in, you know, from here to eternity or the man with the golden arm. Exactly. Yeah. The, the sing-alongs like with Gene Kelly or not sing-alongs, like the yeah. musicals um, were uh, yeah. Different than Manchurian candidate. And then um, what was the movie he was supposed to be in, but he was a carousel that he was supposed to be in it, but they wanted to shoot it twice because one for widescreen and one for like rotoscope or something. And then, oh, you might be right. I think it's Carousel. Yeah, I remember that story now. Yeah, and he said he would only do. They wanted him to shoot it twice, which is stupid on any stretch. That Hollywood was asking an actor was wanting to shoot the same movie twice for different formats. Like that's ridiculous. But they wanted to only pay him for one. And Frank Legend has it. Frank Sinatra was like, "I'm not doing two pictures for the price of one." And he walked away for a role that would have been perfect for him. But he's just like, "I'm right." I'm not doing this twice. And I can't say I blame him. You know, if like you get paid $5 million a movie and you're like, we're going to pay you that again, but you're going to have to do it twice. It's like, I mean, it's essentially doing two movies. So they kind of, I felt like Hollywood kind of screwed that up for him or whatever studio did it. Yeah. And you don't screw around with Frank. Don't mess with Frank. <laughs> Jelly Rizzo will come and get you. Sam Giancana. <laughs> Seriously. Nah, I want to see here Frank sing Chicago one more time. <laughs> Wait, I'm oh, sorry. Wow. But I agree with that you, was... man. Oh, and, uh, Juno, it's... Uh, I, I, I didn't see the hype. It was like everywhere when that movie came out. Right. Um, next one had a lot of Oscar hype. Um, but it I would say fittingly died down um, because for as good as it could have been, it actually is quite the bore. And that would be the action packed 1917. Oh yeah. 19- yeah. I had high hopes for that, man. I really did. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm a war buff movie guy. I, I respect the medium. Um, and there hasn't really ever been a good true World War One movie. Um, they just kind of do World War Two and Civil War. But uh that movie, it could have been so much more, I thought. It it really could have been. And it just wasn't. It was, and you had been in the Cumberbatch and I forget who else was in it, but um it just was a bunch of just a Bunch of guys walking around from base to base, and uh, no thanks. Look good, shot well. And the you art know, direction and the, the, the set, the sets and everything were good. It was just kind of a snooze. 
it was just kind of walking around relaying orders and positions and it's like you gotta world war one was the first modern war too where they had like tanks and planes and you know chemical warfare and i mean it it was pretty brutal war they they could have done a lot with that I, i mean it was pretty intense and i don't know i felt like they just they kind of chinsed out they missed on the, the boat. yeah exactly so i don't Man. know that is that was a snooze though i don't like i don't think i'll watch it again unless you quote it and then i'll watch it yeah right which i won't there's nothing quotable in that film <laughs> it's there's it's not. not the gang new york of of war films this is the Pope's army. A bunch <laughs> of ragtags and bitches. <laughs> yeah, it's not as... They have it, though. The people have spoken. <laughs> the very idea of violence benumbs them. Enough with this heathen music. Strike the band. It's a night for America. <laughs> I've always wanted uh, to say that, but I've never been in a situation where I could. You know? Like if I'm, I, know, I always right? wanted to be like at my niece's, like I don't know, play or something, and just be like, "Enough of this heathen music! Strike the music!" But I just without looking like an asshole. What the hell are you talking about? You, you got the you're sound. gonna go down there. Not any of your minions. Minion, <laughs> like a sneak thief. <laughs> uh, I do like the term sneak thief. I wish we used that today. Like. Like instead of like the news, instead of saying like, uh, "Yeah, there was a robbery on Park Avenue," be like, "There was the police were chasing a sneak thief." I love the yeah. late eighteen. Bring it back. Let's let's bring it back. I just love that that period. You know, like the way they fight with like the Dukes, like put up upside down, kind of. You know, yeah. Like it, you know, it's just like it's just funny. Yeah, the, the way. They, they fight and the fighting is accepted because it's there's purpose. Right. You yeah. know, and nowadays, I mean, you can't go fighting anyone. Yeah, you can't go fighting anyone on the street now. You don't know what they're carrying. Somebody yeah, insults right. you. There's no, you know, pleasant fisticuffs. You, you, you fear for your life. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, um, it's, it's not safe. Yeah, but 1917, way too much hype, I thought. I felt like they jumped the gun with that. Um, I don't know if it was like it took too long to film, or I, I just don't know. But like Dreams Work, DreamWorks was behind it. They had like a $100 million budget. I mean, yeah, they, they could have done a lot more with that. We'll stick in the same genre and... Uh we'll piss some people off with this because I just never I never got this and you're probably not going to agree with me on this one but um, I have Saving Private Ryan down here I understand it's a good film I just kind of after the first 20 minutes I'm like I'm out and the whole premise just kind of always bugged me like, I don't think in the middle of D-Day that the government would send this troop over to, you know, go rescue Matt Damon <laughs> or whoever right. it might have been at the time. Well, we're going to quote Shotwell. Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, here, we're going to quote Lincoln and then you're going to go find that boy. And um, 
I do agree with you. I, I like the movie. I will watch it probably once a year around like D-Day, but it makes me just want to watch Band of Brothers because uh, the first 20 oh. minutes, the D-Day, like I just restarted watching Band of Brothers. It's like such a breath of fresh air when you haven't seen it in a while. It's great. It's been, it's been at least 15 years from me. I haven't, I can't remember. I hardly remember any of it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, th- I, I think Band of Max too, right? It should be on HBO Max, right? It is. Yeah, that's where I'm watching oh. it. It's uh, I, I watched the Pacific again. I haven't seen that in a while, so I was like, I gotta watch Band of Brothers. But Saving right. Private Ryan, first twenty minutes, D Day, Normandy invasion. It's some of the best war film filmage that you've ever seen. But then after that, it gets very mellowed down to the guys looking for Matt Damon, and they're like talking, and it gets kind of slow and. And I felt like when they're writing it, they're like, oh, it's been kind of slow. Let's just throw, you know, an ambush scene here. And then they go back to like talking like, I, I agree with you um, in that sense. Right. And, and Shakespeare in Love is like- a good movie. I felt like that gets unfairly shit on because it beats Saving Private Ryan. But I don't see Saving Private Ryan really like winning. Like I can see why it didn't win Best Picture. I think that's what it was right and I, I know i read something recently that like shakespeare love had this big shameless oscar promo yeah i don't know um i feel the same way about shakespeare in love like it's not a film i'm gonna watch five times a year but when i saw it in the theaters i really enjoyed it and cool william shakespeare like what would he yeah. be like as a young dude you know it's it works Yeah, and then you have, um, you know, hey, anytime Affleck's in the film and you're not complaining about him, the film must have done something right. <laughs> it, right? It's doing its job. Right. Because I'm, I'm you know, I'm no Affleck fan, but uh, I, I don't mind him in that film. He plays the little, like, annoying actor guy. He's, he's fine. Gwyneth's good, and, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's Joe Joseph Fines. He's fine in the film, right? Obviously, Judy Dench is great. It's fine. It's you know, I I think I think they got it right. I think Spielberg won for director, and he should have. Yeah. But I, there was a third film that year that could have taken home the Best Picture prize. Um, I want to say no. I thought it was. I I think Brokeback Mountain was a different year, right? Yeah, I think that was like two thousand six or something. Yeah, that that. was the crash year. Well, so it would have been. um, You're thinking of Life Is Beautiful or Elizabeth, right? Maybe I don't have the year in front of me, but. The Thin Red Line. Um, it, here, Best Picture nominees that year were Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line, Life is Beautiful, Elizabeth, and Shakespeare in Love, which is kind of funny that two of the movies are World War II movies, and um, two are like Elizabethan English kind of films. Right. Which is interesting. that They were like toe-to-toe. I remember when that came out, too, that, that when that was happening. I was in a film class at CB West, and like it was like a film guy i don't know why they had a film class but it was like a creative film history class or something and 
that was like a big thing. Like who's going to win best picture. And I think like everybody said saving private Ryan. Cause we're like 17 year olds. We don't know. But right. It was like a big upset. It's like, Oh, Shakespeare in love. What the hell Hollywood. <laughs> and then you watch it. You're like, no, like I get it. You know, I see it. It's look, it's, it's not going to, it's, it's not going to, you know, really toy with your sense of creativity or make your rethink the wheel. Right. But it was an all right watch. It was fine. Yeah, it didn't it didn't like take the award like a sneak thief. It kind of right. <laughs> you can see at the time why that worked. Bring it back. Elizabeth, I still haven't finished. I always try to watch that movie and because I, you know, I'm a big history guy and I'm like, oh Elizabeth, like the most famous like female monarch ever. And then you're like, uh, I, I don't know. I, right. just, I can't finish it. I just need to like force myself. I lose interest quickly in that. I don't know why. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So I, I got to kind of be in the mood for some of those period pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. But, uh, we'll, we'll take it back to the good now. And uh, all right. <laughs> these are just kind of films that. I think maybe we should watch, you know, you should watch these films. Um, um, I'm not saying it here. You heard it from Mike Tingle. You should watch right? these kids. So go out and watch them tonight. And we'll start with the, um, a film that I had heard of. This is when I was really starting to get in, into film early in my 20s. Um, when I had, you know, writing and acting aspirations, which, you know, Good goodbye, <laughs> goodbye to those. Never say um, never. Never say never. You know, get Ed Harris. He broke in what in his forties. Yeah, there you go. But uh, so I was just back then though. I was just trying to eat up anything that I had heard of. Um, and this was one I heard of, I hadn't understood, and I certainly didn't know the draw. Um, until I watched it, and now I drive my wife crazy with it because i still quote it often and she can't stand she thinks i'm psychotic and that is a clockwork orange oh yeah for sure maybe his best film maybe his second best movie in my opinion yeah um it's just the way it's done Look, um, you know, it's one of those films too that, as you watch it through the years, you might think of it differently. Yeah. Um, it gets that, you know, the, the violence and is pretty rough. Um, but the way the film handles the violence, they like Cooper kind of throws it at you um, in a way he conditions you, like, like Alex gets. So that if you can survive it, so so now you're kind of pro programmed into the feel of Alex's world. So when you see him recover and not really cured, nice cured, and all that, all that fun stuff, um, it's a it's a ride worth taking. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And with the whole like futuristic stuff, it's like the movie 
2001 Space Odyssey or 1984, like, wish they could be. I feel like it's, uh, I felt like they nailed a lot of things right. And it's the right amount of suspense. And um, kind of like with the violent stuff, a lot of it kind of sneaks up on you and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, it does its job. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And it's brilliant. And how, and it, it also is brilliant how Kubrick, um, kind of puts those little quirky laughs into it so that later on, maybe you shouldn't be laughing along. Um, but you kind of do because now you've seen it and like any movie kind of, some of the scenes will stay with you. Um, but some of it, you kind of, uh, you kind of, you know, like violence. I don't want to say it's funny, but it can be shown in a funny light. You know, like Sonny hitting Carlo with the the, the trash can lid. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's not, haha. It's not meant to be slapstick funny. But when you're watching it, you're like, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, here's this little like delinquent that's going that has this giant sculptured penis, and he's right. going to kill kill this old cat lady with it, like. It's chuckle worthy. It's deranged, but you know, it's chuckle worthy. Um, yeah, yeah, but it works. And, right. And and the satire still works. Um, uh, the what it says about you know politics and you know, government medical like mind control and shit like that. And um it's just it's a movie you should watch. Yeah, you should definitely, know, people. You definitely watch it at least once and make right. up your mind. You know. Also, too, uh, the movie did. I don't know the exact number, but it did like very well at the time. You know, early seventies, like it cleaned up. Um, yeah, the box office. Like a hundred times over again, it recouped its budget. Like it, it was a powerhouse when it came out. Right, it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars and all. Um, yeah, Malcolm McDowell yeah. gave his name, you know. And I'll scrap any time you say. <laughs> you say the Druids or the yeah. Droogs? What is it? The Droogs? <laughs> the Droogies. Droogies. Droogs. Yeah. Yeah. These guys, man. Um, human furniture. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the old yeah. Malachko. It's funny. That, that place was a trip. Yeah, I mean, the visuals like stick with you, man. It's and the music. Yeah, and uh, how everything is just wired into you know what makes him what makes him tick. And it's sad. It's actually sad to see you feel for this guy who's a, a complete um, sociopath, you know, because he can't listen to music properly. <laughs> I mean, right, right, exactly. It's uh, how often do you watch it? Do you revisit this a lot? Is it like once a year kind of thing, or like how do you do that? It's usually a once a year type of movie for me. Um, if I if it's on, if it's on, it might sometimes it's that period. You know how the HBOs and all run the same film over and over. Um, sometimes you know, there's nothing on what clockwork, so I'll just leave it on. You know, it doesn't matter if I got. If I'm an hour in or whatever, I'll just leave it on and go to town. Um, also, too, it's one of those things I call it like um, 
that's actually kind of funny. But it's like one of those movies where I don't know. I, I don't know what to call them, but like once in a while, when you're trying to find something to watch and you don't really know, and then it, you see you see it, you're like, oh, this this will deliver. You know, like yeah. one of those movies you kind of I kind of like forget about it. I'm not like I don't own it or anything. I'm never like, hey, we're all gonna get together watch Clockwork Orange tonight. But like, if you're kind of poking around, you like, oh, I'm gonna commit to this tonight, and it's like a good ride, you know? Right. It's just like <laughs> fun. Um, there's a lot of research you can do with it too. You know yeah. what I mean? No, so. it's it's it remains. You know, all these what, fifty years later now remains an important film and um it's not going to be for everyone um but i'm not gonna watch it with grandma like right it's just not happening but i'm always surprised that you know you're always going to find somebody who who you wouldn't expect to enjoy it who does enjoy it yes there's people i've spoken with i wouldn't even expect him to watch it or you know finish it and they're like oh yeah like that's that movie's great it's like it's crazy right. good and you're like oh i never would have thought i figured if you watch that movie it'd be one of those things where you'd be like this is trash this is white trash <laughs> and you're like because they just don't get it well <laughs> that's that's an oddly good segue for our next film Uh-oh. which is complete trash <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm pumped but, but it's complete trash that everyone should watch because you just don't laughs out of this from good movies. And uh, is this I on am good talking, list or your of course, bad list? about this is on the good list. Okay. No, no, this is this is on, this is on the good list. Um, <laughs> one of the few good lists it's ever going to be on. And I'm talking, of course, about the room. The Room, the fabled room. Yeah. <laughs> the Room is probably the, the most Tommy, famous the movie was, ever. Yeah. It's a, it's a trip, man. Same? Uh, yeah, I actually saw it when the documentary or something came out about that. And uh, I watched it in L.A., um, and it still plays in LA. You still see the room popping up uh, here. I just googled it. The room is actually playing this weekend in Westwood. Oh, wow. Yeah, like it's like a film person's movie, just because there's just so much going on. Um, it's so bad, it's good kind of movie, you know? Oh, completely. Like that's that's the movie. Um, it's almost a parody, but not, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's you. You want it to be a parody. But, You're hoping it but is. But it's a, uh, you know, yeah. But you know, Tommy Wiseau made uh, what he, I guess, thought was uh, a grand old film, and he had these other people along with him who they all made this terrible. It works because it's so hysterical to watch. That people are going to keep watching it. And I'll keep watching it because, you know, my friends and I quote it often. Um, and uh, it's, it's just, it's, it is the most beautiful train wreck in the history of film. Oh, yeah, it is. It's, it's a train crash and you can't, 
you can't not look at it when it's happening. I mean, like the suicide scene and everything. It's just like, you're just wondering what the post-production process was like where somebody edited that and we're like, yeah, you nailed it. You got it. Oh, <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. Yeah, watch The Room if you haven't seen it. Um, I think it made, don't quote me on this, but I think in its original run, because it cost a few, it was a, it wasn't a big budget movie, but it had like a few million bucks. It had a budget to it. And I think the right. original box office run, and let me just look this up because it was like, here, $1,900 it made off of a $6 million budget <laughs> to give you an idea. I mean, you have to really try to make a bad movie to, to not recoup that or have no marketing at all. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, here it is. Here we are talking about it 20 years later. Yeah. And I mean, they they have these showings everywhere. Like you mentioned, it's going to be in Westwood. I'm sure it's going to be in Philadelphia at some point this summer. Or Or it's going to be at the the Tingle House for Easter Day movies. Yeah. Kids love that. For a while there, you could see it on YouTube. They had the whole yes. thing. I, I believe they took it off, but um, I don't know where you can see it now, like for free. I'm sure you could buy it off of YouTube or something. I don't think anyone's stupid enough to stream it. We're brilliant enough to stream it. Good I don't point. Know. Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> um, yeah, you should definitely watch The Room. And when they made this movie, too, uh, it took... I mean, there were like spinoffs of it too, or uh, wasn't there like a book or something? There was like stuff like it, it launched like other things. This movie, yeah. Oh, they have that James Franco movie. Yes, yeah. About the making of it, right? Which is based off the book that was written by the guy who played. I think it was the guy who played Mark. Um, I think so. <laughs> crazy it's incredible it's amazing <laughs> the stinking room <laughs> it's as amazing as the the timetable and white christmas of the new york and vermont two weeks leading up to christmas it's just all over the place it's great so so much thankfully new york and vermont are so close to each other otherwise there's no way all that stuff happened no way no way there's no way uh, how often do you watch the room do you like own it or do you Will you never watch it again? Like, what's your? How does that like play into your whole world? No, I, I was first introduced to it by uh, our buddy Chris Cooney actually a few years ago. Oh, um, nice, King Cooney. Yeah, and we, we had like a viewing, which was, yeah, uh, you know, the first time you see it, it's side-splittingly hysterical, and then every time you see it afterwards, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> Um, Cooney was an interesting guy with movies. I would always like trust his judgment. And if it, if it was something that he didn't know either, uh, he would like disown it and be like, I'm sorry, dude, this sucks. Like he was very coveted with his, like, he's like, we got to watch Memento. It's like one of the best movies you'll ever see. And I'm like, okay, we'll watch it. I didn't really like, like it the first time. Cause I was like, you know, like younger and kind of dumb. So I'm like, oh yeah, like it's okay. And he's like, it's so deep. 
And I'm like, it is kind of deep, I guess. Like you're a deep guy. Right. And then then we saw Halloween resurrection and I was like, this is terrible. And he's like, yeah, (laughs) she's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's okay. Yeah. Sometimes. See, the good thing about him though, is he, he'll admit if he's going to recommend a movie, that's no good. He'll, he'll tell you. Yes. Very honest. No, very open, very transparent. You got to see, I spit on your grave. (laughs) And then he'll tell you it's so bad. And then you'll watch it and it, it'll be pretty bad. And then you'll, you'll get it. And then you'll be like, okay, let's do this. This is good. I like it. But yeah, the room is a great entry. Uh, you People should definitely watch that. If you haven't, you'll appreciate it. Yeah. I, still, I have a few more. Maybe we can run through them. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Keep them coming. Yeah. We got all nice. I don't know what song that is, but um, got on. I drove all Um, let's switch back to the band because we're talking about the room comedy. Yeah, it was a bad this, one. This is one I I just never thought it was all that funny. Um, mainly I I can't stand the fact that the three main characters are virtually the same person. And that is Napoleon Dynamite. Of watch. And I'll tell you why. The it insists upon itself. You're like, okay, I guess this is funny, this awkward kid. You know? Yes. And then you're like, I guess, I guess we like it. And then and then when you first watch it, you're like, is this the is this like the 80s? And then you're like, no, they have the internet. And you're like, what year is this? And then you're like, Oh, I guess it's just like Idaho. It's just the whole thing's bizarre to me. Yeah, it was at that kind of the height of that like awkward humor. Like, oh, oh, don't touch my tots. <laughs> We're staying my like, life. What do you think? Uh, he's playing like tetherball and he's like drawing like ligers and you're like I guess then, I'm supposed to like this. Right? And then and then you know and Look, it's cool, and there's you know a white stripes song to start the the movie off, and yeah, I, you know, even I wasn't was uh, not immune to the white stripes love back then. Sure, I mean, I mean, I still love them now. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, after grunge, I kind of got really hard against uh, modern music, except I I love the white stripes. Great band. Um, but even even having them did not bring me into this film i I just never got it It, it's another one of those films that just kind of draws and and you know what too it it led to a lot of this whole like is it wes anderson or is it p P. t anderson who does like the the director does a bunch of the um the indie kind of films yeah wes anderson yeah some of them work like moon knight kingdom i didn't like that um, yeah, it's hit or miss with they, him. Yeah, they go with these like boring. Uh, it's like boring type of comedy, you know. It's like the um, Emperor's New Clothes. You you're like, oh, new Wes Anderson movie just came out. Like it's fantastic, and you're like, am I watching the same movie? Like this is like a glorified student film at best. Yep. And and the thing with Napoleon Dynamite, there are funny scenes in there. Where you're like, oh, this is pretty good, but overall. It's like a bunch of sketches, like 
put no just a movie like it would have been funnier as like a YouTube channel or like isolated sketches or something like that because a lot of it draws out with like dance and Pedro like we're still seeing like Pedro memes today and you're like it's just so it's just like too uh, much like I don't get it yeah and it's just gonna forever annoy me that you know Pedro and the girl whose character I can't remember um and the Paul they're they're all interchangeable they're all just this like quiet yeah like loner person who you know they meet each other and they're all now quiet loner people and like there's no there's no drill um that's not a word um <laughs> there's no um building off the character or, or um no character no. development character development no arc and it's just yeah. kind of depressing honestly it's like a little depressing yeah. when i watch it i'm like yeah like there's some funny stuff but like it's just kind of depressing overall people love um, that movie though that thing that thing no. grossed like 50 million bucks off of like a few hundred thousand and then it was like everywhere and you're like oh Um, another film I, I I try to get this film, especially since it came out when I was when we were you know of the age when we were watching these type of like dazed and confused type of films on. Um, I mean, so many people around me love this movie, and I'm just like, eh, it's okay. Uh, that's Empire Records. Yes, yes, not as good as. Mall rats or like other movies in that vein. Uh, right. Yeah, I agree with you. When you shoot, when you hear people are like, "Oh, Empire Records is on," you're like, "I don't really want to watch it." Yeah, I'd rather watch Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser than this. Oh, me too. You know. Yeah, Empire Records. Uh, isn't that kind of like a cult movie too? Or I mean, I I still hear people talking about like, "Oh, Empire Records," it's like the best movie ever. Right. Not. <laughs> You're so right. Now I want to watch Blast of the Past. Right? His finest role. Right? When Brendan Fraser was doing like three movies a year at that time. He was like in everything. Yeah. yeah he was he was fun fun enough. He's a likable character on film. He's a likable guy. Uh, I was watching television in color. In in color? <laughs> I just watched Crash the other night. I think we talked about that in a recent show. Yeah. You can it's see another one of those gets a bay rap films. It does, yeah. It's a it's a good it's a it's a well done movie, I think. I felt like Crash is a little bit ahead of its time with the whole political thing and like why does he have to be black? And can you have you know, I mean like I, I felt like it was it was thought provoking. Crash. Right. I read the IMDB on that too, and there was like they shot that movie very cheaply. Like Paul Haggis basically funded it himself, like used his house for like Brendan Fraser's house. They rented like two police cars for like a hundred bucks a day. And like all the cop cars in the movie, like the same two just using like different angles. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Like they, it was very smartly made like budget wise. He kind of like funded like, himself. Did he do like a John Favreau, like swingers thing where they like didn't have permits for anything and just kind of like 
ran around casinos filming shit and then moved yeah, on to like newer locations. Yeah, they did like gorilla style. They just kind of, cause if you look at the scenes, they're shooting like outside of these like landmarks, like uh, the, I forget the name of the restaurant, the uh, like the trolley car kind of restaurant It's studio city. They like show him walking out of there. So they're not actually filming in there. And a lot of it's shot in like a garage, a house or outside. Like 90% right. of the movie shot outside. So it was like very easy to, to do. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail us, but Empire Records no. three. It's kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't think I'll watch that again. And like, oh, but Liv Tyler's in it. Like, it's not a game changer for me. I know. Like, I, like, I love Liv Tyler. I even sure. love Renee Zellweger. But, and I even love Rory Cochran. I just don't always feel like watching Empire Records. I yeah, always no feel like watching days confused. And I always feel like watching, you know, some other movies of that jo- of that time frame. But I'm not always I'll watch Empire Records. I'm not always in the mood for it. Nope, not happening. But one movie that I'm always in the mood for that will always be on my good hype list that I feel everyone should watch because it's an easy hour and a half watch of Nothing but fun comedy with a late great legend is back to school. Oh, so good. <laughs> and then you got to talk about the zoning. And I don't know if you know who runs that business, <laughs> but it ain't the Boy Scouts. <laughs> oh. Are you getting oh, no. this? Yeah. It's then you got to talk about waste tape. management. <laughs> this then we have to decide where such... we're going to build. How about fantasy land? <laughs> I think like I I must have watched that movie like a hundred times. That is such an underrated comedy. That's Dangerfield at his best. You know? Right? It's just and it's just so 80s and like perfect. Um, you know, melon, and it's just oh back to school is a gem. Right? Oh, it's a, I watch it. That that that's at least a couple times a year. You know, oh, if yeah. it's on, if it's on, I usually leave it on. I mean, you get Tony Stark at like 22 with like blue hair. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Who's Danny Elfman. What's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dan- Danny Elfman's in it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's such a good movie. <laughs> and, and, you know, all the one liners, God. Oh, home sweet home. I liked your old house, but yeah, so did yeah. I. I like your yeah. wife better too. Hey, Stan- lay off Vanessa. She gives great headache. <laughs> and Sam Kinnison, where she's like, why did he do that? It's like, because Truman was too much of a pussy to send him MacArthur to let him do his thing. And then he's like, I'm going to keep my eye on you. Very good. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. So good. That's a great movie. That and uh, Summer Rental with John Candy. I feel oh, like yeah. they're like two great. You've seen Summer Rental, right? Yeah. And then, you know, nobody talks about them. No, no, they're like under. I mean, Back to School is more underrated than Summer Rental, but I feel like those two movies are, to me, are like comedic gems. Right. Don't get like any love, or a lot of people don't talk about them. You know, they're up there. Back to School is up there with, I mean, some of the best comedies from the eighties. I mean, it's hilarious. And you know, they're both kind of you know they hold up pretty well. I mean, Summer Rental is just a, yeah. You know, you got the 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 wisecracking, you know, shit's going to fall on him, dad. And, right. uh, you know, this 
vacation that doesn't, you know, go figure. It doesn't go well. Um, and then, you, you know, you got but dad, there aren't a lot of jokes in back to school that are like not appropriate for the time. There's not, there's a couple of them, yeah. but, um, but overall, overall it's, it's a movie you can put on 20 years ago or 20 years from now. And it's still going to be funny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. You know, and you're seeing young Iron Man and Keith Gordon with those like sunglasses at night that he's wearing <laughs> and he's like trying to be cool. And it's just like, it's just hilarious. Oh, and of course, William Zapka, the 80s yes. favorite, the, the favorite douchebag of the eighties. Right. Yeah. The karate kid, uh, Johnny, Johnny Lawrence. Like he's, right. he's like the other, the swim team guy. Oh, that's great. She just passed away to that actress, uh, this year that played, uh, hot lips. Yeah. Hot- <laughs> <laughs> she just passed away. Yeah, Sally Kellerman. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, we're losing too many people. Yeah, yeah. I guess we should mention we lost the great. Uh, we lost a few people this week, this month. But um, well, I'll let you talk about it. But we, we lost a yeah. gem. This oh, week. The, the Gilbert. Gilbert Grant. And I just, I just saw we lost both Seinfeld moms. Yeah, Liz Sheridan passed away today. Yeah, just today. A week after, uh, a week or so after, um, Del Harris. Is it yeah, Estelle Harris? And, I'm you know, saying that wrong. Estelle Harris? Yeah, no, you're right. Estelle yeah, Harris. Estelle Harris. Uh, Mrs. Costanza and Mrs. Seinfeld from, from Seinfeld both passed, along with uh, Gilbert Godfrey. And Gilbert Godfrey was 67. Um, yeah, um, apparently he'd been sick for a while. Yeah, like muscular dystrophy and like the heart disease and all kinds of stuff. You know, I loved him because he he never held anything back. But behind the scenes, he was a genuinely like decent guy. Yeah. And you see a lot of these comedians that, you know, they don't hold anything back. And you know, behind the scenes, there's a reason for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That they're kind of in it. Maybe they're not such a closeted asshole. They just are assholes. But uh, Gilbert Jaffrey was a decent dude, and uh, uh, it's a shame, man. And he I've, he was always very, uh, you know, I followed him on his all his uh, social media and all. He was always so kind to the other performers he was with, and um, I mean, if you ever seen that, did you ever see that video where he's uh, roasting George Tataki? Yeah, I just watched that like last week, yeah. I think, after yeah. he passed. Right. And it's like nobody else would be able to like no. that's a good friend that <laughs> that says the stuff that he says nobody else would have been able to get away with. with no, that. they can't pull it off. It was and George like, George loved it. He pulled it off and you you hear about that, like from the outpouring of just regular people and like other celebrity friends of his, just that he was just like a lovely guy you know, on and off. Um, truly memorable, the shrill voice and everything. He was truly one of a kind, you know? Yeah. I, I felt like him and um, Robin Williams, both in Aladdin, they were like kind of uncredited, you know, that, you, you know, they don't really, um, people kind of forget or, you know, it's not on the, the, the your frame of your uh, top of mind that 
right. know, two of the biggest comedians were in the same Disney movie, which is amazing. Like it's just a, such a great spectacle to watch. Yeah, um, they steal the they steal the show. They steal the show. Uh, I I my first taste of Gilbert Godfrey was as a kid and uh, <laughs> problem child. Yeah. in those movies you know watching those i'm like what's with this voice i was like this guy's great he's like you little brat and you're like why is he always screaming like it was just so yeah. funny <laughs> that's such a bad movie too oh the worst unwatchable <laughs> have you watched them in the last 20 years yeah no i i, I think i did get an opportunity to watch problem child one um Let's say it was a decade ago, and it, I don't think I made it through. It's, you can't. It's pretty. It's unwatchable. Awesome. It's unwatchable. I, I tried and to watch I, Problem Child too. It was on like, it was on YouTube or something. The, YouTube wasn't even trying to take it down. They're like, "Fuck it, just do what you want with it." Yeah, you know, it wasn't like flagged for infringement. It was just. So I watched like I think like I got like thirty minutes in. I was like, I can't believe this was made. Um. Anyway, uh, Gilbert Godfrey, rest in peace. What a, what a yeah. great soul, you know. Yeah, man. Um, was it three three great comedians we've lost in like been the last what six or seven months? Um, yeah, him, Bob Saget, and uh, Louis Anderson. Yeah, you saw that picture of the three of them. Yeah, Bob Saget took like a selfie of the three of them. Kind of sad, really. If you watch it, if you look at it, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, uh, long live, you know, the king of comedy. Godfrey. Yeah, king of comedy. Uh, what What's one of your favorite movies of his? Do you have like anything that stands out? Um, uh, he's probably the most memorable um, part of the aristocrats. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Although there's a lot of memorable people in that film, um, it really did showcase him when he just kind of like he's he said and said, "Well, I forget what, what was he had a show or some kind of um, ceremony or whatever." He's just like getting nothing. He just goes into a, a full-on aristocrat's joke and <laughs> it's killer. I miss oh, that yeah. film. I, I, I used to love watching that. I haven't seen it forever. Yeah, I only saw it the one time. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but it's been a, it's been a while. <laughs> and uh, Bob Saget was prominent in that too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Rest in peace. You know, those guys are one of them. Yeah, guys. it's a dying breed. Looking back at Gilbert Godfrey too, his uh, catalog of what he's done. I mean, he, he did so much and I mean, it wasn't just the voice, you know, a lot of people think like, Oh yeah, that he had like that one of a kind voice, you know, that's true. But his comedy, right. I mean, he's just, just a genius. He didn't hold back either. Like you said, if you watch, uh, you know, YouTube, some of the old roasts that he did with, um, you know, back in comedy central, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, he just goes to town like he doesn't stop. There's like nothing's off limits, you know. Nothing was off limits. Uh, um, I know well, I've taken a lot of your time. Do you have it? Do you nah, have more on this list? We're good. Um, the rest I, I just kind of filled out the list. If uh, 
You want me to run through them real quick? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was one. I wanted to ask you what you're watching for the holiday. Um, but uh, I have two animated films here. Um, now, one was uh, on the good list was The Incredibles. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're adorable. Yeah, going a little bit mainstream there, but um, yeah, I, you know, it's one of the better marriage films that you'll see. I mean, you really see these this couple just kind of like work through being heroes and fixing their marriage and shit. The things the kids won't notice, but you'll watch and think, hmm, I get it. On the flip side, I couldn't stand Onward. Onward is, uh, I don't know if you remember Onward, the kid like builds his dad. And his dad's like a loud, they're like monsters. Oh, oh, oh. Um, the crit with Chris Pratt. Yeah, with Chris Pratt. Yeah, that was weird, man. I don't think I finished yeah. that one. Um, I don't think anyone in my family really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, and that was just, that was a that was a bad movie. That um, I think that like performed pretty bad too. Maybe it was COVID, but yeah. Well, Disney has this thing: if you don't have the princesses in it, um, that's it. That's it, and you you throw that around with you don't have a lot of music, um, uh, yeah, yeah. You got to um, stick with the princesses, and or at least have a great soundtrack. Have, you know have what I mean? Some songs. You got otherwise, you, otherwise your movie better be pretty darn good, like The Incredibles, right? Or Toy Story, <laughs> or Toy Story one, two, three, or four. Right? Yeah, I mean they went against the formula, right? But. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I'm going to wrap up my bad section. Um, I threw this on here because um, this was the the Adam Sandler film where everyone was like, whoa, check out his acting. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, that's Punch Drunk Love. Yes. I never really quite got the Punch Drunk Love. To me, it was just him being grouchy him. And it wasn't all that great. And I actually have a note in here, speaking of love movies, if you want to watch Adam Sandler in a love movie, watch him with Don Cheadle in Love Rain Over Me. It's oh, a much call. better film, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, Punch Drug Love is one of those Paul Thomas Anderson movies that's kind of like insists upon itself, where you're like, yeah. well, I guess it should be great because he did it, when it's really not. And I felt, I felt like at the time when that came out and I watched it, I wasn't blown away and I was like, ah, it's nothing great. People, Adam Sandler acted a little bit differently in there, but it's still kind of Adam Sandler. But because it was such a dramatic departure from his usual like movie fare, they're like, oh, it's like revolutionary. He's doing something yeah. different and it's great. And you're like, it's not really that much of a stretch um, <laughs> for him. I didn't think. Uh, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman's okay in it. And it was like, they have a good cast, but uh, I didn't. Yeah, I felt like that was that kind of missed the mark. I didn't see yeah. I didn't see what all the hype was about that. And uh, real quick, we'll wrap up the, the good list. If you want to film a pure enjoyment, I remember um, I remember picking this up because you know I had been a fan as a kid, but he hadn't really been adapted um, as you know. And yet, uh, in my generation, um, 
so I was interested to see how it would be. And I remember just adoring this movie. And actually, I still do. Um, is the the Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas? Oh yeah, Anthony Hopkins. An- Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, um, I I saw that. Just the fun, man. It, it's it's still fun. You know, they're both. You know, they work great together. They have great chemistry. Um, he has great chemistry with Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, yep. And he was perfect for that role in 1997 or 98, whenever it was. Yeah. 99. Perfect. Um, I still love that movie, man. I saw that. I saw that like opening night with my dad. We're like, oh, we gotta go see Zorro. Like, I used to watch the old Zorro shows, like the black and white as a kid. This yeah, was, my like, dad used movie. to walk around singing the song. You know, he yeah, see, sign of the Z. <laughs> yeah, like it's this great thing, and the fat colonel of the Mexican army and everything. It was like there were so many good characters. So, like going into Zorro, I knew nothing about it, uh, the movie, and I'm just like, wow, this is like so good. Um, and I, I, I enjoy it, man. I think I think that's a great movie. Yeah, and I'm gonna wrap up with uh, two John C. Riley films. Um, I'm, I'm a I'm a huge fan. Um, You'll settle with me before settling with the butcher. <laughs> no matter, um, he's as dead as Good Friday, which is today. <laughs> which which it is. Yes. The Black Crow's favorite holiday. Black if, Crow's. If you remember, I will see you on Good Friday. Oh yeah, oh, that's a good that's a good reference right yeah. there. Who writes a song about Good Friday? <laughs> Chris Robinson, right? Um, but uh, if you want a good film about insurance seminars, you should see Cedar Rapids. Oh yeah, that's perfect, right? Yeah, um, just like insurance too. My wife, who is an insurance broker, is like they nailed it with a lot of the bullshit that goes on in that. Yeah, industry. yeah. It's so just just watching them kind of like they have this like Vegas thing where you know you know and Hayes and Ed Helms kind of get together and it's like you know you know you know what stays at the seminar stays at the seminar kind of thing and you know John C. Riley's his usual like crazy self like it's just a lot of fun and that was before Ed Helms kind of like I don't know I still like Ed Helms but he is kind of falling into the Michael Cera I'm gonna get a lot of Ed Helms roles but uh He's good in that. And I, I always kind of like Dan Hayes. She's fine in it. Um, it's just a fun film. Right? And you wouldn't think that being that you're watching a film about insurance seminars. Just Yeah, I, could, I can't add anything to that. That's perfect. That is a fun film. And you should want, people should watch it. Like It's very enjoyable. If you can make a good, enjoyable film about insurance seminars and make you want to watch it again and have it deliver, like it, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. And lastly, is, is uh oh, yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. But uh, when I when I first saw it, it was one of those I I watched it a couple times. And um, when I was thinking of this list, I thought, man, that's a great film that like not a lot of people probably remember. And more people will probably remember Walk Hard because Walk Hard. <laughs> When, when I first saw it, we didn't know what to think about it. And uh, as I'm watching it, and, you know, I rewatched it, and it's like, man, this film's hysterical. Because <laughs> I'm the leader of the Beatles. Well, your songs still be shit when you're yeah. 64. 
<laughs> Wait, so I, I, you don't want this, man. Here in India. You don't want this. It, does it give you a hangover? It doesn't give you a hangover. What if I get addicted? <laughs> it's not habit forming. Oh, well, I don't know. You can't OD on it. It's not going to make me want to have sex, is it? It makes sex better. <laughs> well, it sounds like I do want it. <laughs> that, I, that I want movie, um, I don't mean to, to interrupt you, but that movie, that Beatles scene is like one of my favorite comedy scenes ever, just because they know they're being characters of the Beatles. <laughs> I've got a song about an octopus. <laughs> I got a song. And I mean, they're not trying to be like the Beatles, just funny. They're making fun of impressions of the Beatles. No, no. So like Jack Black's like a fat man. He's like, I'm Paul McCartney. I'm the leader of the Beatles. And it's like, and, and Paul Rudd is George. Easily the best. Where it's just like, yeah. And I don't know. They just want to talk about talking about, you know, sing about some of that, you know, Harry Krishna. And it's just so good. It's like one of the best comedic like, scenes ever. Yeah. Justin Long and stuff as, as we are the because we are the Beatles, the four Beatles, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I'm the leader of the Beatles and this many Beatles. Yeah. Well you start so yeah. shit when you're 64. The, the whole film is just so full of like oh yeah. God and, and the, the music's good. I mean the music is good. They um, they do for listeners not familiar, go watch it, but they have uh, Dewey Cox is doing different songs for each period. It's like a spoof of, you know, Ray and and uh, Walk the Line, and but they he covers different periods, so he does new songs for every period of music, like the blues, the rock and roll, the sixties, seventies. But they're all good, you know. Like even his yeah, Bob Dylan song, where he's like the midget song. It's like a, it's like a well written <laughs> song. It's like they're good music. It's funny. Yeah, it's it's brilliant, and he's he's got a great voice too. Actually, yeah, yeah, he's a great actor. He really, you is. know, his voice fits with a lot of the genres that he's going through. And uh, at first, I I guess you got to kind of get over the fact that it is going to be. See, it is what movies like scary movie, and all those like not another team movie. It's what those things wished they would have been, because it yes. actually like rolls well, you know. The players are all great, and the jokes is as ridiculous as they are, all kind of hit. Um, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's like, oh yeah. man, Mr. Mr. Mazeltoff, we're we are getting our asses kicked every night by the Incredible Hawk. Yes, but doing last night's episode was really special when we found out that the Incredible Hawk has an evil twin cousin. Only he's not green. He's red. I know. I watched it. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. What's the song he sings with um like the June Carter spoof character, the chick? Uh like I'm gonna go down on you or something. I forget what it is. It's it's just too good. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> You're my mind, you're blowing me some kisses. You might blow me some kisses. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, that is a good movie, man. I just yeah. love uh, the opening when they come out and they're like, uh, you know, Mr. Cox doesn't come out on stage until he recalls his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Walk the line spoof. It's, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do. You and I could <laughs> go down in history. That's, oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. 
yeah, I agree with you. That that is a that movie deserves any hype it, it has, and uh, right, it's still funny. And uh, yeah, that's it. It's going to wrap up our list. That was a fun segment. That's a great list. That was a fun segment. Thanks for uh, putting that together. That was great. Hey, no, no problem. That was Thanks pretty good. We'll have to do uh, next show. We'll have to do a baseball movie. I'll watch Bull Durham. We'll have to do a baseball like breakdown. Yeah, man. We'll talk <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because uh, not all baseball films are uh, are prize winners. No, not at all. Um, we talked about. We had Marty York. He's a buddy of mine from the Sandlot. He's been on the show a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk. I when I see him, I we, you know he. Sandlot was obviously the, the biggest thing that he's done. So, and I'm a fan of the movie, so we'll talk Sandlot. But I always make jokes right. with him. I was like, you know, it wasn't a good movie, Rookie of the Year. And he's like, yeah, no, it was okay. I was like, it sucked. Nobody likes Henry Rowengarter. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck that kid. You know, it's all about the Sandlot. He's like, no, no, like, we're not really against that movie. There's no like rivalry. I was like, oh, there is, I'm sure. And he's just like, there's not, there's no rivalry. And I'm like, we need to make one, you know? Like celebrity death match, you versus Thomas Ian Nichols, but right. <laughs> um, but uh, like those those movies in the nineties, they were making like a baseball movie every year. Uh, it was like yeah. that, The Sandlot, um, no, Mister Baseball, uh, League of Their Own, Mister Baseball, League of Their Own. It was there are just so many baseball movies when you really think about Field of, of the Dreams, game. which is eighties. What yeah. was that one? For love of the game. Love of the game. There's just so many. I feel like we could do a proper breakdown next show if you're if you're down for that kind of thing. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm always down. Yeah, we got to do one. Uh, before we go, I just want to ask you, are you watching any Easter movies this weekend, like traditionally, or how does that work um, for you? Well, I have um, fulfilled my traditions, but I think uh, my wife uh, has mentioned watching um, the Ben Hur, which I will watch again. Nice, the original. Very, uh, very willingly. Oh, sweet! The original um, one from the, the 59? Yeah, 19, yeah, the fifty-nine one with Chuck Heston. It's the only one to watch. I mean, I don't. I, I think I caught the silent one back, you know, from like nineteen twenty. Oh wow! Um, and it, yeah, but by Turner Classic Movies ran it once, and uh, uh, pretty cool. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm prone to the, the Chuck Heston one. I, it's I awesome. That's a classic. That's how yeah. I am with um, the Ten Commandments. I've, I've always wanted to watch the one that Cecil B. DeMille also did from the 20s. I just never like did it. Right. But I'd be curious to see how it looks. <laughs> I'm only wondering if it's narrated by Vincent Price or Edward G. Robin. What's that? <laughs> I'm only... I'm only watching if it's narrated by Vincent oh, yeah. Price or Evans. If I can't have my Ten Commandments with those two, I'm out. I'm out. And so Moses went through the desert and <laughs> saw Joshua. And together no, Moses, they... no. <laughs> Edward G. Robinson's great because he's such a gangster, right? you know? And, and he's, he's like, he's like on the uh, chariot. You, from, my, from what I know, you'll give me the, the water girl, Lil. <laughs> I will not leave a man to die here in the mud. <laughs> oh, Ten Commandments is a, is a gem. I watch that. I watch Passion of the Christ every Good Friday. We're going to watch Ten. that tonight. 
and then Ten, Ten Commandments. Commandments. Nice. Ten Commandments yeah. and, and Ben Hur are they're gems. The two of my my kids watch the James Marsden Jen Hop, but uh, <laughs> I'm not. It's not up my alley. No, and no, I like James Marsden. Yeah, yeah, me too. But, but you can't I, compare. I can't, can't can't do it. So, hey, um, speaking of which, um, I just found this out. There's Godfather connection here. Um, let's see this. Easter, I actually watched uh, Jesus of Nazareth in its entirety for the first time in a few years. And uh, have you ever seen it? No, I've never seen that. I feel like I should have. Oh, man. It's crazy, man. It's seven hours of, uh, oh my gosh, you know, the birth, life, and death, and, you know, rebirth of Jesus Christ. It's, really? uh, the cast is, is amazing. It was made in like 77-ish. Oh, okay. And uh, like Ernest Borgnine's in it and Anne Bancroft and Christopher Plummer. And fucking uh, Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, that's an epic right there. Christopher Plummer, yeah. Yeah, um, amongst others. And uh, the one woman who plays uh, Lazarus's mom, of course, I never recognize this because... I never put two and two together and I hadn't seen it in its entirety for a while, but um, I don't know if it's Lazarus's mom or sister or whatever, but is Vito's mom from Godfather too. Oh, uh, really? An actress by the name of uh, Maria Carta. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's in TV at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's in Oh, so she was in that. She was uh, young Vito's mom in, in two. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can um, if you have Amazon Prime Video, you can watch it. Um, yeah, I'll give that a watch. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's free right now. I I watched it mostly on my phone. I guess mostly over the week because who has seven hours to just sit around, you know? Um, right. And it breaks it down into four different. Uh, four different episodes uh, i guess it was a mini series that they just kind of followed um uh, four days in a row or um maybe it was i, I mean I don't, I don't remember what they did 40 years ago but um it gives you a real nice in-depth look of the more human side of of jesus um which i dig and they they, they yeah for sure. Focus a lot too on, um, you know, the people around him, what he was meaning to um, the government and the Pharisees and all that back in the day. Um, but I mean, going to Catholic school, I mean, they used to show it in Catholic school. Um, <laughs> and my parents used to watch it when I was a kid. So I kind of still enjoy it to the day. Um, uh, and it's just a well done little mini series that still uh, gets played here and there. Uh, but yeah, if you want to check it out, Amazon Prime uh, Video, um, and uh, I recommend it. It's it's cool. That is cool. I'll check that out. That's really cool. I'm, that, I'm all about that stuff. It's like right up my alley, so I'll give that a watch. I've heard good things about it. I mean, I just you know haven't watched it. 
as of yet. But yeah, if it's on Prime, right. I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a watch. I like it. I like your choices too on your recommendations. Those are some yeah, good I lists. I haven't, I haven't seen Passion of the Christ in forever. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it, it's a hard film. It's a tough watch for right. violence and stuff. But uh, to me, that was always a power. Like when I first saw that, it was. It's like my favorite movie. Not not in the sense that like I watch it a lot, or I'm like, hey, we're all gonna watch The Passion tonight because it's tough. It was more of just like the powerful emotions it invokes. You know, it was very gritty and like it. It did its job. So it's right, kind of watch that every year. It brings the the human suffering and all that. So, but yeah, um, yeah, it'll be a good weekend. I think that Ten Commandments, and you know, you got me thinking about Ben Hur and Jesus of Nazareth. So I'll see if I can start that. You know, give those a watch too. Yeah, man. Well, man, well, that's going to be our yeah. show. Thank you, Michael Tingle, for coming on as always. Uh, likewise, uh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Today. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. You're listening to Podcastle's Tinkle Classic Movies, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Just out of school, like I'm real, real cool. Gotta dance like a fool.